Now, Dan Hater is up today. I'm gonna just uh, just going to pray for Dan as he um, helps us in week two of our consistent series. Father, thank you for Dan. We just want to honour the gift that you've put on him. We honour the grace that's on him. Lord, we are uh, we're grateful to you for the way you've put him together as a man, what you've done in his life and worked into mm. him and the gifts you've given him. We just pray quite simply, Lord, that it would flow today. We pray mm. for joy as he speaks and joy as we listen. We pray you would mm. enable him. We just say we believe in you, Holy Spirit. Mm. Enable him to speak um, in, a, in a way that really presents the truth of God with great life mm. and help us to listen in the Holy Spirit as well and worshipfully, mm. I pray. Amen. 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 Morning, everyone. Morning. Um, what special offering. Um, what ama- an amazing amount of money to be giving. It's just praise God for the generosity that he stirred amongst you. So just think that there's obviously there's the amazing things we're going to be able to do with it um, that are going to be able to bless the solids and the housing fund. But just praise God for having stirred such generosity amongst us. It's just, it's amazing. And um, I've kind of been in the office a little bit this week and obviously been involved in looking at counting it and you're just kind of going, wow. <laughs> it's amazing that, um, that we've God stirred us to give and give so generously. And um, so, praise God. And uh, today we're in our second week in our consistent series. Um, so kind of, as Steph said, um, potentially quite a boring title, but intentionally boring. Because what we're looking at, basically, so if we can have the, the slide up, actually. So um, actually, Andy Cotuli or Tuli uh, together have collaborated to put these kind of designs together. So we are very thankful for them. Um, <laughs> But the idea really behind the consistent series is we want to make sure that we have um, a good overall understanding of how we grow as Christians. And we want to make sure that we don't end up becoming slightly lopsided where we assume that the way God works on us is generally by kind of having only powerful encounter moments in meetings or on your own and suddenly everything changes but actually a very common if not perhaps the most common biblical way that we change is through consistency in our lives through steadfastly growing in different habits so if I was to be having a coffee with someone or be out for dinner with my wife and she pops off to the toilet how many of us could relate to what I would immediately do which is this okay as soon as no one's talking to me, no one's in the vicinity, that just pops out of my pocket and I start going on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. That's become a habit. It's got to the point where it kind of bypasses my mind because I just take it out. The world is constantly trying to habituate us to different things. It's trying to constantly, whether that's social media or whatever, and again, not all, all of these things aren't bad, as we'll see, but what happens is the world's trying to give us habits... And you will have certain habits in your life, whether you realize it or not. That's one that when we sit down and think about it, we realize. But when we're actually doing it, we often don't. And what we're trying to do is explain that what part of growing as a Christian is developing godly habits, which eventually, after a while, you find yourself a little bit like taking the phone out of your pocket. You find yourself doing certain things, which is helped by God through his spirit, by the grace of God's. But you just find yourself more and more naturally doing certain things that actually help you to grow as a Christian. And one of those things we're going to look at today is thanksgiving. So the idea is we want to end up becoming people who are consistent or basically have the habit of giving thanks 
constantly. That's what we're looking at today. And um, what we're doing um, every single week of this series is just to kind of make it as practical as possible and um, help you to engage um, a little bit more with um, perhaps habits in other Revers' lives is we're doing a quick interview at the beginning of these weeks just to... um, talk to someone about how they have been building these kind of habits in their lives and how that's helped them, just so you get a bit of a sense of, here is someone, here's what they're doing, and here are some practical things they're doing, and I can see the difference it's making in their lives. So today, we've got the privilege of Johanna Reed. We're going to interview Johanna. So, Johanna, if you'd like to come up. And and I I need the questions. And we will sit on our uh, chat show-like chairs... We should really have bar stools, shouldn't we? That should be the way of doing it. Um, Johanna, thanks so much for, um, for agreeing to do this. I'm really looking forward to, to it because I think having been in GC with you and I know that actually one of the things I do notice in your life is there is a consistency in Thanksgiving. And I think it would be great to um, just kind of run through a few questions. And um, So first thing is, how have you found developing habits of Thanksgiving in your life has helped you in your walk with God? What kind of results have you seen in that? Um, I've just found that they've really helped me engage with God um, and to come to him, um, particularly in difficult situations when that's been hard. Um, yeah, just help me come um, and look to him. And also um, just to fix my gaze on him, so not on circumstances and the world, um, but to look at him and who he is and all that he has done. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And... Um, Obviously, what, what obstacles have you found in the works of habits? Sometimes you hit obstacles. What kind of obstacles have you found in your life to developing the habit of Thanksgiving? Um, so the biggest obstacle for me has been when everything goes wrong. Um, so um, bear with me if I start crying. I um, had a family emergency last night, so just bear with me. Um, but the last couple of years, I've just been in a season where um, personally had a lot of pain um, and loss and suffering in my family um, and with difficult relationships, which was already difficult. Um, and then also at work, um, just had attack after attack from the enemy. Um, and then I got a new job and then I got bullied and harassed in that um, and it just when I thought it couldn't get worse it did um, and it was just a really dark time for me for a long time um, and I really struggled to come to God with that um, I also um, I found it difficult to come to church I found it difficult to be around worship particularly um, particularly around Christ- Christians that seemed really happy um, I had this idea that being thankful to God um, and walking with him meant that I had to pretend everything was okay. Um, It wasn't okay. um, And so I just struggled and wrestled with that. So sometimes I would withdraw from church, withdraw from church family, um, and that was difficult. Um, Another obstacle is, so I'm a children's community nurse, um, so I look after children with quite complex health conditions, and we also do end-of-life care, um, which means that work, often the days at work can be quite sad, Um, and so that's been an obstacle of coming home, find it quite hard sometimes to find things to be thankful to God in that. When you see a lot of suffering and pain, um, I've struggled with that. Thanks. 
Um, now, obviously, those of us who know you and have um, kind of been, been around you a bit more realise that in the, in the midst of all of this over the last few years, you are still marked out by giving thanks, and that's something we've noticed. Um, in the midst of that, what kind of things have you practically done that you found have really helped you in actually developing, even when, even when it's really tough, developing a lifestyle where you are a thankful person? Um, so God has just been really patient and gracious with me. Um, he's just really helped adjust, um, helped me see how I can adjust to come to him. Um, so for me, especially when it seemed really dark, um, I felt I couldn't talk to him. I just couldn't get the words out. Um, but so art really helped me with scripture. Um, there's this Turner painting of um, this really stormy sea. Um, it's really dark, like black. And then there's this moon, this small moon, um, with light that's breaking through. Um, and sometimes all I could do was sit with that painting, um, but also with the scripture about light, um, that light shines in darkness, and, it, he has, um, and darkness has not overcome it. And... Just even if I couldn't do anything else, I could stand on that and thank him that he is not overcome by darkness, that I may be overcome, but he is not overcome. And if there wasn't anything else I could thank him for, it was that, that he is not overcome. Um, so that really helped. Um, also, um, I love dance and movement. And um, I found just... Um, that really helped. So worshipping in my room, even if I couldn't sing, which I couldn't, um, I found I just couldn't speak those words for a long time. Um, but just hearing truth and with music just helped me um, just physically move. And that act of freedom just helped me then engage with God to so bring that pain that I felt. And then once, I, once I'm able to engage with God um, and feel that freedom and look to him and then he can remind me of all he is and of all that he has done and all the things that he has just lavished and so thankful for. Um, so I found that really helpful. Um, also, um, a few friends, Christian friends, that have really walked um, the faith with me um, the ones that have been able to mourn with me and sit with me and cry with me. They've also been the ones that can, when it's come, rejoice with me. I think there's a real power in that for me to see, but also them to see, because they've seen the mess. <laughs> and then they've seen God and what he's done. And, yeah, there's just real power in that. And also I've just been so thank thankful to those friends that when I haven't been able to see it, because I think often I know I can forget what God has done in the past when he's been faithful. We, I can often just see what's in front of to me um, but they have helped remind me of when God has provided of when he's done miraculous things and healed and restored and that's just been really helpful um, and one last thing Go for it. <laughs> um, is um, just with um, reminders on my phone with scriptures um, so if I'm just practically day-to-day -day things um, I'm not a morning person <laughs> um, and also with during the day like work can be quite busy and stressful um, so if I'm just having scriptures that pop up on my phone so I don't have to look anywhere but come off at particular times I think might be um, like if there's a meeting or um, a child protection meeting there might be a lot of battle in there um, just have the time that it pops up to just speak truth and again I think that helps me then look to him and be thankful to what he does and who he is so that's just been really helpful fantastic thank you so much that was really really helpful thank you, thank you.
Thank you. I think that, that, was, that was so helpful because what we see with that is um, this isn't, Thanksgiving isn't a lifestyle where everything goes really well. That's not what Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving is the ability in the midst of everything falling apart to, as, as, as Johanna was saying, have people point you to stuff that God has done or, or develop habits in your life that you're thinking, I'm, I'm going to keep looking to him. So that was so helpful. Thank you so much. Um, so we're going we're gonna to turn to the Bible now. So if you've got a, a Bible, if you want to open up in um, Colossians, which is uh, in the New Testament, one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. And if you don't have your Bibles, the scripture will appear up on the, uh, on the screen. But... Um, just before I read it, Paul's writing a letter to the church um, in Colossae, um, and he has been explaining to them um, various things, but one of the things he's been explaining is what has happened to them as a result of the gospel. Well, the fact that they have died and been buried with Christ, and that they have been raised to new life with him. And so the question emerges of how does a someone who has died and been raised with Christ end up living now. And this chunk that we're going to read through is part of Paul's answer to that question. What does it look like now that you've been raised with Christ to live as a Christian? So we're going to read verses 12 to 17. So Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You might have noticed in those last few verses a lot of references to giving thanks. And um, three times you got that. So be thankful. It's kind of just out of the blue. And be thankful. And you've got singing and um, hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness to God in your hearts. And then verse 17 Everything you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You get the sense that thankfulness matters to Paul in this passage. Um, Actually, I have to admit, it was actually a bit difficult to find a passage to preach on um, this week. Not because thankfulness isn't in the Bible, but because the way it appears is it's not like there's a set passage, kind of go-to passage on thankfulness. And here is, we, we now have a description of what thankfulness is. Instead, it's kind of just peppered in all over the place it's a little bit like just seasoning on the uh, on on the meal you're kind of like okay there's there's thankfulness there there's thankfulness there it's a bit like have any of you guys eaten brighton rocks before not the actual rocks on the beach that if, if you've done that you need to see a dentist but actually you might need to see a dentist for these ones because they are quite hard but you've got these kind of um long kind of cylinder like um hard candy and it's got a shape down the middle and I think it's often says Brighton Rock or something or or, or on the inside Um, and wherever you end up breaking that you have the same word all the way through and I think with Thanksgiving and the Christian life that's actually the way it works it's not necessarily if you read the New Testament it's not necessarily something you have a big passage that explains here's what Thanksgiving is all about actually what you get is exhortations and commands to be thankful all the way through because what the new testament writers realize and what paul realizes here is that thankfulness is actually a lifestyle it's a habit it's something that just becomes or should become part of who we are and the problem for us 
in our context, is that we live in a very thankless culture. Okay? You just need to watch the news for that. When's the last time you watched the news and the anchor or the person being interviewed um, spent their time thanking the government for all the hard work that they do? I can't remember the last time I've, I've seen that. Um, we live in a very thankless culture. And actually, I'd say we live in a culture that values entitlement very highly, but doesn't value thanksgiving very highly. And the thing with entitlement, kind of getting a sense of I deserve this, is that thankfulness and entitlement are kind of like different, different sides of the, the balance. For those of you who are mathematicians, they're inversely proportional. One of them goes up, the other one goes down. That's kind of the way it works. So you've got, got the math joke in there for you, Rich. Um, the, so the more entitled you feel, the more you feel you deserve something, the less thankful you're going to be for it. So salaries, for example. Okay, we might say thank you to our employer when they, when they send through the money, but we're not thankful in the sense that we think, oh my goodness, I didn't deserve that. We're thinking, well, I worked for that. So we deserve it. And I think there are a lot of things in our lives, um, well, definitely in the culture, and I think it creeps into the church very often, it creeps into my life definitely, things that we feel entitled to, and as a result, it makes it much harder to be thankful. Because if you feel you're entitled to something, when you get it, there's kind of a sense of, well, I kind of deserved it. I'm entitled to it. So I thought here are a few things just to make it I suppose, quite practical. Um, this may apply more to me and my wife and so on, but I think it probably does apply larger. But certain things we might, our culture kind of tells us we are just entitled to. By virtue of being a human being, you deserve this. So it might be a happy life. I'm entitled to a happy life, a good marriage, a spacious home, to be able to buy a house. That's a big thing, I think, particularly in London. I feel entitled to be able to buy a house. Public health care. I love public health care. And actually, a lot of these things that I'm saying are not necessarily things I don't think we should fight for. But when we feel entitled to them, suddenly we lose our thankfulness in the process. So public health care, I mean, worldwide, what we have is amazing. But actually, you look at the attitude towards the NHS nowadays, what's happened is entitlement's gone up, Thanksgiving's gone down. And we've got to be careful that doesn't creep in. A fulfilled sex life, free childcare, food in the fridge. Just kind of take it for granted, there will be food in the fridge when we get back home. And if there isn't, then that we, we are entitled to that. Um, spare savings, have a garden, to be able to have children, to have a better job, to have holidays. Holidays are a strange thing. I think the Western world takes it for granted. Most of the world are kind of like, what's a holiday? What, what does it mean to go away for a little bit and then come back home? I think it's, it's often quite helpful to just kind of see where our culture's coming from on this. And perhaps one that's slightly more personal to me, a spare room to have a study. <laughs> the, I think these are things which obviously the last one was a bit of a joke, but I think these are things that they're not bad. In fact, I don't think any of these are bad. But if we, are if we feel we're entitled to them, what happens is when we get them, our response isn't to be thankful. Our response is to think, phew, I finally got what I was entitled to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the reality is, though, when we look at it through the lens of the gospel, is we come to understand that the gospel says we don't deserve anything. Basically, anything on top of judgment and death is a bonus, <laughs> which means all of the stuff I've read out is essentially not stuff we, f we can feel entitled to. I think, don't hear what I'm not saying, I don't think it means we shouldn't fight for stuff like public health care. It doesn't mean I don't think we should fight for stuff like human rights. But if we have this attitude that we are entitled to this, 
Where, um, then our thankfulness goes down. Whereas if we realize the gospel tells us that as a result of, one, being a creature as opposed to a creator, and two, being fallen and sinful creatures, we don't deserve anything. Our entitlement should be down here, which actually means our thankfulness should be all the way up here and not kind of the other way around. So it's just really worth being aware of how the culture kind of just tries to feed us this stuff and I think as we start to identify that, we might become a bit more kind of, oh, wait, I kind of felt entitled to that, I think. And instead of responding by saying, I got it, and now that's great, we respond by saying, I got it, and I'm so thankful to the fact that God has essentially allowed me to have this. And thankfulness isn't just a one-off thing. So I said, it's a lifestyle. It's not just kind of, from time to time, I'm just a bit thankful. Actually, it's a lifestyle you work on. In Colossians 2.7, I haven't put the scripture um, up there, but Paul explains he wants the Colossians to be abounding in thanksgiving. Okay, abounding kind of gives a bit of a sense of lots of stuff. Okay, stupid example. My house is going to be abounding with cushions because my wife has got herself a sewing machine and the only thing she tends to make on it are cushions. And so every time I kind of go back home and there's extra cushions that have just appeared... <laughs> Replace that with thanksgiving. We want that continual production of thanksgiving, abounding in thanksgiving. And if we could replace some of the cushions with thanksgiving, I'd be grateful as well. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps a little bit more seriously, um, for those of you who know, well, actually, Adrian Lena, the guys we sent out to, uh, to, to the Middle East um, a, a few months ago, Asia, Mark, I, I see him as a guy who has a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Have any of you been in conversations with Asia and heard him say, the two little words, praise God. How many times does he say that? It's like literally you're sharing anything with him. He's like, praise God, praise God. And I think Asia, whether or not he's wired naturally that way or whether he's developed that through hard work, has a a habit, a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And I think probably it, it might partly be personality, but I think it's something that he is making sure that he's continually working on. And he's doing that in a way that's it's filled with grace. So one thing we really don't want to get from this series is, well, all we do is hard work. And that's basically it. We just kind of work our way into maturity. That's not how it works. Actually, God's grace motivates us. And it doesn't just motivate us. It gives us the ability to grow. Really important to understand that. Grace isn't the way you get in and then you continue by really, really hard work. Grace is the way you get in and it's the way you continue, and it's the thing that motivates you and enables you to work really hard. Paul said, I worked harder than everyone else, which kind of sounds like quite a big claim. But to be fair, if you looked at what Paul did, you could probably agree with him. But then he says, but it wasn't me, it was the grace of God. And so what we're looking for here isn't effort that's coming out of a sense of, oh, I should do that, I suppose. It's a sense of effort that says, I have been saved and now empowered by the Spirit to work hard on certain things. There is nothing ungodly, and there is lots of godly stuff about working hard at growing in maturity. And that can be, should be driven by God's grace. This isn't a, guys, you should really be doing better kind of sermon. This is a, guys, we have been empowered by God's grace. God has given us the resources that we need to be able to grow more and more like him and become, I hope some of you caught a bit of an appetite last week for steadfastness, for becoming those kind of pillar people who say, actually, you know what, whatever life throws at me, I've grown throughout life to trust God and love him and rejoice in him so much that I'm just not moved by circumstances the way I used to be. And the reality is a lot of the time that involves lots and lots of grace-driven, hard effort and habit. And that's what we want to do. We want to give you guys an appetite to say, that's what I want to reach for. Right, how do I get there? What are some practical ways that I can, energized by the grace of God, do that in my life? 
So I suppose the question really for Thanksgiving is, why, do, why should we want to become more thankful? I think hopefully it's not a question we need to answer that much, but why should we want to? Why should that be something we want to develop as a natural lifestyle? And I'd say the main thing, and if you remember one thing from, from today, just remember this phrase, thanksgiving makes God and the gospel bigger, and it makes us smaller. Okay? Thanksgiving makes God and the gospel bigger, and it makes us smaller. Now, by that, I don't mean makes us smaller in the sense that we look at our lives and say, oh, we're just worthless. We're, like, we're just kind of the bottom of the food chain, worst, worst creatures in the world. What I mean is it puts us in our rightful place, and it puts God in his place. It makes God bigger, and it makes us look smaller. And um, so here are just, I suppose, some ways that that works out. So a big one would be that actually Thanksgiving forces you to remember and think about what God has done. Has anyone ever managed to be thankful in the abstract? I'm just, I'm just thankful. What about? I don't know. I'm just thankful. That's not how it works. Thanksgiving has to have an object. It has to have something that you are thankful for. So actually, if we want to grow in developing a lifestyle of Thanksgiving, as we make a point, actually, sometimes they're just saying, you know what, I'm going to make a point of being thankful for certain things. It forces you to think about stuff. So it will force me to think about some of the stuff we've been singing about. The fact that the enemy has been defeated, death couldn't hold him down, and we're going to raise our voice in victory. It's going to force me to think about that kind of stuff because I'm going to say, God, thank you for the fact that I have now been brought into your victory. Thank you for the fact that you died instead of me so that I could be reconciled to God. Thank you for the fact that I was once dead in my sins and now I'm alive. Thank you for the fact that I have been buried and raised from, uh, raised with you and that now I'm seated in the heavenly places. It forces you. You have to kind of engage your mind unless you're just saying it without thinking. You can't be thankful in the abstract. So Thanksgiving forces us to think about what God has done, engages the mind. It's also a war against entitlement. Okay, so anyone know where Paul wrote this letter from? In prison. He was in prison, but yeah, actually, if you look through the references to Thanksgiving, Colossians is probably Paul's most thankful letter. How do you do that? How? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's kind of a correct answer. How do you do that? It's because Paul actually has, been, has developed a lifestyle of thanksgiving because he's so focused on the gospel that actually his circumstances kind of end, end, end him thinking, you know what, actually, I deserve worse than this. So I'm in a prison at the moment, but actually, I'm still alive. I'm saved. I've been made alive through the power of God. Therefore, I can be thankful. So it's a, it's a war against entitlement. When, when stuff comes our way and we're tempted to swallow it, it's like, I should be able to buy a house, I deserve it. Instead, if we're thankful for stuff as it comes, what that does is it says, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve a thing. So when God allows me in his grace to have those things, I'm going to become thankful and it's going to be a fight against entitlement. And we will be, as a result, you become more and more and more grateful. It's kind of, What's the, I don't know, is there, is there an expression for vicious circle which doesn't use the word vicious? Because uh, it's a good circle. It kind of, yeah, a circle. There we go. <laughs> Just remove the word vicious. <laughs> Je- I think Jesus modeled that. Jesus was one of the most thankful people. So he's constantly giving thanks to God every time he's breaking bread, he's thanking God. And you're kind of like, he, I mean, in terms of entitlement, we've got a different example to Paul, really, because Paul wasn't entitled to anything. Jesus was entitled to everything but yet laid it down and was still thankful to God in the process. I just think you've got, we've got such an example uh, in Jesus. And Thanksgiving fights idolatry as well. 
So if we can have the next scripture up, this is a, actually a, an interesting one. This is in Romans. Paul again, so a guy who wrote... Um, it's actually a lot of these Thanksgiving references come from Paul's letters, I think because of actually what he'd experienced. He was persecuting the church, and then he'd got saved. You'd end up being quite thankful if you'd been trying to destroy the church, and then you end up being made a leader in a church through God's grace. So I think that probably explains a bit of it. But he's talking about kind of pagan, immoral, um, idolatrous society. And he's saying, although they, people, knew God... They did not honour him um, as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. If you were to describe what idolatry is, would you put not thanking God in there? I don't think I would have. But Paul says, actually, one of the issues, one of the roots of idolatry is a refusal to be thankful to God. It's creatures saying, you've created us, you've basically provided everything we need, we're not thankful to you, we're going after these graven images, or perhaps in our culture that would be celebrities, or money, or fame, or whatever it is, but we're saying, I'm not thankful to you. And Paul says, actually, that's part of the root of idolatry. So as we grow in thankfulness through the power of the Spirit, we're actually destroying idolatry in our lives as we do that. So it's hugely important. Another thing, kind of the, the circle thing going on, the non-vicious circle. Thanksgiving actually leads to more joy. Has anyone experienced that? That when, as, when you make a point of actually giving thanks for stuff, it tends to make you much happier? Now again, we're not, we're not about self-help, but actually I think God make, makes stuff the way so that the more we actually practice these kind of things, Thanksgiving, the more we find it increases our joy. You ever notice that? You're kind of like, I'm thank, thank you, God, for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for the fact that I am able to drink a cup of tea in the morning. From the smallest thing like that to thank you for the fact that you have saved me from my sins, it develops joy in our lives. And actually, that's partly one of the reasons why we spend a good 20 or so minutes singing praises to God before we, have, um, before we move on. Because actually, what we're doing is we're giving thanks and has anyone noticed that joy tends to increase as you're doing that? So just a very practical thing, as you give thanks and develop that lifestyle, your joy increases. And we need to make sure we get this the right way around. Okay, so in, um, in a lot of our thinking, we can think, when I feel thankful, I will give thanks. Actually, if you ask a lot of athletes, do you only go and work out when you feel like working out? They'll probably say, what are you on about? I have to. And actually, the more I do it, the more I want to. Has anyone got, like, I, I got into, I quite like running, but I've been out of it for a little while now, and now it's hard work getting back into it. Rewind about four or five months. If I had a day without running, I'd be thinking, I need to get out. I need to get running out. Because what had happened is I'd let the body start, and it was hard work, but what happened is after a while, my mind started kicking in, and I was like, I really enjoy this. I'm really enjoying it. I want to do it more. I think Thanksgiving's like that. You say, actually... I don't feel thankful right now, but I know God is worth thanking. I'm going to thank him anyway. And as you do, that's why so many of the Psalms say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and not, I really feel like blessing God right now. Um, because to be fair, with a lot of the situations the Psalms were written in, if that's the way David went about it, there wouldn't have been much of the Psalm afterwards. So David stirs himself. He says, I'm going to be thankful because X, Y, Z. And I think that's, that's another reason why Thanksgiving makes the God and the gospel bigger and us smaller. And then finally, before we just go through a few quick practical ways we can grow in that, Thanksgiving changes the way we relate to other people. So if you notice, a lot of the passage, if we can go back to uh, the Colossians passage, 
a lot of it is about how we relate to each other. It's about forgiving one another and loving one another and caring for one another. It's much easier to love one another when you are thankful for the fact that God has loved you. It's much easier to forgive each other when you've developed a lifestyle of thankfulness for the fact that God has forgiven you. But, I mean, thankful people are generally nice people to hang around with. It's hard to find a very, very thankful person who is not then actually someone who's really enjoyable to hang out with. And people who aren't very thankful, often you find that they're not always the nicest people to hang out with. And I, think, I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul puts so much thankfulness in this passage when he's talking about how we relate to each other. Because I think the way we grow in thanksgiving immediately and directly impacts the way we relate to other people. And so I think there are a few reasons how thanksgiving makes God and the gospel bigger and us smaller. There are many, many more that I could come up that I could go through. But I think there's a bit of a kind of start of a 10. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an appetite for, yeah, this is something we want to grow in. So just as we kind of wind things up, what I want to do is just finish by going through just a few very, very practical ways that... I have either found in my own life or heard of other people doing, which I think are great ways of growing in this, the effort that's driven by God of growing in thankfulness. And so one of them would just be actually exposing our minds to what breeds thankfulness and not what breeds entitlement. So I've got no problem with Netflix, but I find that if I spend a whole five hours watching Netflix, my joy and my thankfulness tend to go down rather than up. There's stuff that we are constantly exposing our minds to and very often unaware of it that often breeds entitlement rather than thankfulness. And so I think actually when there's such an onslaught of it, particularly with internet and so on, I think we need to be very intentional about what are we filling our minds with. Are we filling our minds with the gospel, with the word, with reminding ourselves of what God has done? Or are we mainly filling it with stuff that often isn't bad but very often doesn't actually increase our our joy and our sense of thanksgiving? So exposing our minds to stuff that makes us thankful, writing down a list of stuff we're thankful for. I have to admit, I haven't actually done that yet, but it sounds like a really helpful thing to do because you're just forced to think of a load of stuff that you're thankful for. Um, the other thing would be singing songs that remind you of the gospel. Okay? That's why we sing gospel-centered songs. Um, I like to sing. I think that is actually, I think, a habit in my life that I have kind of got to habit stage. I don't realise it sometimes. Bex noticed a few days ago, she said, you didn't sing in the shower this morning. <laughs> she notices when I don't rather than... And I think I'm, I'm very often, I've got old hymns on in the background because I think they've got really, really profound content. I've got kind of singing them um, as I go. And um, I think that kind of thing just increases your, your thankfulness. Um, share things with others that you're thankful for in GCs and running partners. Just that action of sharing out loud very often practically makes a real difference. Giving thanks before meals. Okay? It sometimes feels cliche, but actually, we don't deserve the food that's in front of us. And again, I think very often the, the slightly more well-off part of the world probably sees Thanksgiving at the beginning of a meal as a bit more of a, just a standard ritual. I think a lot, of, a lot of the Christian world, which does not live in as um, affluent a place, probably sees it more as a, wow, we are actually... We, we don't deserve this. We are so thankful for the fact that our crops came up this year and we can actually eat. And I think that, again, that just helps us realise we don't deserve the food in the fridge. We don't deserve the food on our plates. Thank you, God, for providing this. Being intentional and being intentionally thankful for the things we might take for granted, I think is another one. Anything. 
The fact that I have a cup of tea in the morning, the fact that I can have breakfast, the fact that I have a house over my head, stuff we take for granted just to make a point of being thankful about it. I think it's a response to what God's done. Uh, coming along to prayer meetings, hearing about the answered prayers, that always grows, grows thankfulness. Thanking God for brothers and sisters and giving reasons why. So actually saying, God, thank you for this person because of this impact they've had in my life and because of the way that they've done this in my life. That, that breeds thankfulness. And it also helps you to appreciate just how amazing the church is. I think that's... So giving thanks to God for brothers and sisters. And then finally, and what we're going to do together now... Um, it's not the final thing you could possibly do to breathe thanksgiving, but I think it's really big thing is actually taking the Lord's Supper, taking communion together is actually an amazing way of growing in thankfulness because we are taking a meal together which is forcing us to remember a few different things. It forces us to remember Jesus' death, his resurrection for us. It also forces us to remember the fact that he's coming again because what we're doing is we're eating a meal that's a little bit of a foreshadowing of the fact that there's a greater meal that's coming. It also helps us realise that we are part of one body together because we eat of one single meal, of one loaf, one cup. Obviously, we've got them in the thimbles here, but we get the imagery. Um, and it's an amazing way of growing in thankfulness. And I think I shared at the, the Rev birthday that actually one of the earliest Christian words used to describe this meal was thanksgiving. And so I think a great way of responding would be to actually take communion together um, and do that in a real kind of sense of thankfulness. It's kind of So I wonder whether... Um, Julia and the band come up. Um, is it all right, actually? I've, I think I've kind of changed my mind slightly. If we can do something a little bit more upbeat, actually, that would be great. Just to have a kind of, let's take this meal together, remember what God has done for us, and thank him for it. And as we're doing that, if you're here today and you're not actually, you're kind of new to church, you might not know where you're at with God, you might not believe it, you don't know whether you do, but you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You wouldn't say, I, you'd say no, I actually, I haven't committed my life to Jesus, I haven't been repentant, I've been baptised into him, um, then I just invite you, if you want to discuss anything further and find out anything else, come and find me, come and find one of the elders. We'll have some guys at the front later that you can come and talk to. But if you've kind of been listening to this and something's been going on inside you where you think, this feels real, this, this is starting to feel real, then please don't sit on that. Please come and find me or find the, the person who bought you if you've come with friends or one of the elders and we would love to chat with you. Um, but for the rest of us, those who have been baptised into Christ, we're going to take this meal together. Um, if you're not a Christian, this is a Christian meal. It's a way of remembering that we are one body in Christ. So if, if you're not a Christian, feel free to just sit it out. But those of us who are in Christ, we are going to celebrate together as we take this meal. Let, let's, should we do that in Thanksgiving? Is this okay if we don't necessarily do the kind of prayer groups that we usually do and just all go for it and kind of just thankful as we go? And then we'll all come back together after and sing some songs of Thanksgiving. So, yep. Yes. Yeah, if we can today just not, not do the praying in groups thing, if we just all go down, we can go in groups, that's fine, but just take the meal, be thankful, rejoice, yeah. praise God, and we can all come back together and, and praise him. Does that make sense? Yeah, great. Okay, so let's all do that together, and let's be thankful for what God has done. Amen.